the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The fourth hallelujah here is for the coming reign of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will come again. He will reign over the earth forever and ever, the Bible tells us. He will be King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will have a righteous kingdom. And God's people in heaven are saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that Jesus Christ is coming again, right? Praise the Lord that he's going to establish his kingdom on this earth. Have you ever been by a rushing stream of water and it's going past you so forcefully that it's nearly deafening to your ears? It's quite an incredible experience. In the passage that Pastor Dan's reading from today, it talks about a multitude of voices being like the sound of many waters. Wouldn't that be an even greater thing to be a part of? If you know and follow Jesus, you get to be a participant in this event. Don't let this experience pass you by. Instead, choose to be a part of what's to come in God's promises. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 19 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jesus Christ is coming again, and he's coming literally, physically to the earth, and he's coming with power and great glory. And in our passage today in chapter 19, uh, the passage begins with a celebration in heaven, followed by a ceremony. And so, first of all, you have this celebration in heaven, which is an anticipation of the return of Christ. Uh, And in verses 1 to 6, we have... Four hallelujahs. Did you notice that when we were reading it? There are four hallelujahs in this section. If you look at verse 1 again. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Then down in verse 3, we see hallelujah again. And then in verse 4, and then again in verse 6, we see hallelujah. And so it's four times we see the word hallelujah in this passage. The word hallelujah is a transliteration of a Hebrew word. It's not a translation. It's a transliteration right out of the Hebrew. And the word means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, listen, this is the only time in the New Testament that the word hallelujah is used here in chapter 19. Heaven has saved up all of its hallelujahs until the return of Christ. And now it's a time for heaven to rejoice and proclaim hallelujah and praise the Lord. Uh, By the way, chapter 19 uh, was also the inspiration for the hallelujah chorus. 
and Handel's Messiah. Uh, So chapter 19, it begins with a celebration. It begins with worship in heaven. It begins with these four hallelujahs. And I want you to notice here with me the reason for each of the four hallelujahs. In verse 1, again, it says that there was a great multitude in heaven of believers. That's us. We're going to be there when this takes place. There in heaven, this great multitude, and they are praising the Lord for his salvation. The first hallelujah is for salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. The only reason that any of us will be in heaven is because of the grace of Jesus Christ towards us. It's the only reason. Hallelujah, right? Praise the Lord that any of us will make it there because the Bible says that we're all sinners. We all fall short. There's none of us that are righteous enough to get into heaven on our own. And it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ that we will be there in heaven. And so hallelujah for our salvation. That's the first Hallelujah. The second hallelujah is for God's righteous judgments. God's righteous judgments. So hallelujah for his righteous judgments. Look at verse two. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. Verse two says that God's judgments are true and righteous. All of his judgments are true and righteous. All of the decisions that God makes, all of the decisions that God makes for you, for your life and for me and my life, his judgments, they're true and they're righteous. They're true, meaning they're perfect, not in the sense of true and false, but true in the sense of of perfect. His judgments for you are perfect and they're right. They're right. Now, there are judgments that God makes that we don't understand. There are things that God allows into our lives that, that, that we don't understand, that don't make sense to us, that we might even ask why. Like, why? Why did God allow that? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? Why is God allowing me to go through this? But even if we don't understand his judgments or they don't make sense to us, his, his judgments are true and right. His judgments are perfect and right. And one day when we get to heaven, one day when we're there with this great multitude, we'll see how his judgments are true and right. You know what we're going to say? Hallelujah. True and righteous are his judgments. Praise the Lord for his judgments. Now I see. Now I understand. Before when I was on the earth in this life, I had a veil. I was looking in through a dark, looking to a, uh, into a glass darkly. You know what I mean? Uh, and I didn't understand. But now, now that we're in heaven. And now that we know and now we see the whole picture. Now we can say hallelujah. I see it now. It makes sense to me. I see it it was right. It was perfect. It was true in every way. If you look at the verses again, verse two tells us that he judged. God will judge the great harlot. Remember, that's Babylon. We we talked about uh, this 
this great harlot Babylon in chapter 17 and chapter 18. It's a reference to the system of the Antichrist that will rule over the world. And in verse 3, we see that God's punishment of the wicked is eternal. It's eternal. It says her smoke rises up forever and ever. It's eternal. Jesus said the fires of hell are never quenched. They burn forever. And there will be a day when we're in heaven and we rejoice with Jesus Christ for his judgment of the wicked. And we'll say hallelujah. And he's finally dealt with the wickedness in this world. He's finally judged the wickedness of this world. Now look at verse 4. In verse 4, the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they now join into the chorus in heaven. They add their voices to the choir. Verse 4 says the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they fell down and they worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. So you've got this great multitude back in verse 1 in heaven. And they're singing and saying hallelujah. They're praising God and worshiping and celebrating. And now the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they join in with the worship and they add amen and hallelujah to this choir. And we first met the 24 elders back in chapter 4, if you remember that. Uh, They represent the church in heaven. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the 24 elders. They keep, you know, kind of popping up throughout the book of Revelation in our study. Every so often they're mentioned again. Uh, Here they're mentioned for the last time in the book of Revelation. This is the last time we see them. And in verse 4, we see that this third hallelujah is for the sovereignty of God. Praise the Lord, he's sovereign. They're they're praising God because he, he sat on his throne. He's sovereign. He rules over the earth. He rules over mankind. And so, hallelujah, God is on his throne. And even as we were studying through the great tribulation in chapter 6 to 18 in Revelation, and all of the judgment that was coming down upon the earth and the sealed judgments and the trumpet judgments and the bold judgments and all of the chaos and, and all of the catastrophic events. Even through all of that, as chaotic as it as it was, as it's described, God's still on the throne. He's still on the throne, ruling over everything. He's sovereign. And, and here it's hallelujah. God is on the throne. And notice here the 24 elders and the four living creatures. It says they, they fell down and worshiped God, saying, Amen and hallelujah. They add amen to it. Uh, so they're saying amen and hallelujah. Uh, and the word, the word amen is also a transliteration out of the Hebrew. And both of these words, amen and hallelujah, these are two words that are universal to almost every language in the world. And it's the only two words that are universal to almost every language in the world. Every language says amen and hallelujah. Isn't that something? You know, uh, we, we have a trip planned to Israel. Uh, and if you go on that trip with us, you'll, you'll see uh, people from all over the world that travel to Israel to visit the Holy Land, just like we're going to do. Uh, and you, as you're going to the different biblical sites, you'll, you'll overhear people speaking in foreign, foreign languages, speaking in their native tongue. And, 
And, you know, there's people from Africa and Asia and South America and Europe and literally the whole world goes there. And you hear all these different languages and you don't understand anything that they're saying. But then occasionally you'll hear an amen. Or a hallelujah, you know, oh, I know that word. I recognize that word. I have an idea what you're talking about. You might be saying it's lunchtime. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know. But I know what you're saying with that word. It's the only two words that are universal to just about every language in the world. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now look at verse 5. Then a voice came from the throne. So you've got, now get this picture. You've got all these multitudes of people in heaven. And you've got angels. And you've got the 24 elders. And you've got the four living creatures. And they're all Praising God, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and they're worshiping God. And then a voice comes from the throne. Who's that? That's God. God now joins in. He adds his voice to the choir now. He's he's not just sitting on his throne, just listening to the worship. God now joins in with the worship in verse five. Look at verse five. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you, his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. So now God adds his voice to the choir. He joins in. He begins to worship and sing as well. I like that. You know, God likes to sing. You know, um, the night that Jesus was arrested uh, at the Last Supper, we're told that after the supper ended, Jesus began to sing hymns with his disciples. And here's Jesus, God incarnate. And he starts leading worship among his disciples. Uh, In the Psalms, in Psalm 22, verse 22, which is speaking of Jesus, we're told in the book of Hebrews that it's referring to Jesus. In Psalm 22, verse 22, speaking of Jesus, it says, In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Jesus is in the midst of the congregation, singing along with the congregation, singing praises along with the congregation. Uh, Back in Zephaniah, you don't have to turn there (laughs) because it'd be so hard to find, right? Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter three. Listen to what this says about God. The Lord, your God is in your midst. He's in your midst among us. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. You kind of get a picture there of of like a a mother with her infant baby quieting 
her baby with her love. And then it says, he, God, he will rejoice over you with singing. Now, what a picture that is. God singing over us. You know, singing over us. God likes to sing. And here in Revelation 19, as all of heaven is joining together in this great heavenly choir, singing hallelujah, praise the Lord, God adds his voice into it. A voice came from the throne. Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And then verse six. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And so you have the voice of the great multitudes in heaven. It's, it's loud. It's like the sound of many waters, like Niagara Falls. It's like the, the, the booming of thunder. These voices together singing as one voice. And it says this great multitude in heaven, which again, that includes you. If you've trusted Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your sins and his resurrection, you're going to be part of that great multitude. If you haven't, you're not going to be in heaven and you don't want to miss this. You're not going to want to miss this celebration. So put your faith in Christ so that you can be there. But you have this great multitude there and they're worshiping and it sounds like, you know, Niagara Falls. And they're saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And so the fourth hallelujah here is for the coming reign of Jesus Christ, the coming reign of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will come again. He will reign over the earth forever and ever. The Bible tells us he will be king of kings and Lord of lords and he will have a righteous kingdom And God's people in heaven are saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that Jesus Christ is coming again, right? Praise the Lord that he's going to establish his kingdom on this earth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that, right? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So those in heaven are rejoicing because he's coming again. And so there's this celebration that takes place in heaven before Jesus Christ returns. And then now in verse 7, we come to the ceremony. So we had the celebration. Now we have the ceremony that takes place in heaven just before Jesus Christ returns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of. Of the saints. And here we have the marriage of the Lamb in heaven. Maybe you've heard that term before the marriage of the Lamb. It occurs just before Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Uh, The Lamb, of course, is Jesus himself. He's described over 30 times as the Lamb in the book of Revelation. The bride or the wife is the church, right? The New Testament, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 11, I'm sorry. And so you have this this marriage of the Lamb between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And to fully understand what is involved in this this marriage, the marriage of the Lamb, we need to understand 
uh, what was involved in a Jewish wedding in that day, in that context. Uh, Because what is described here, the details, fit into the details of a Jewish wedding in those days. Uh, A a, a wedding in those days, a Jewish wedding, uh, it was quite different from weddings today. Uh, Weddings today uh, are are all about the bride, right? The focus is on the bride. It's it's the bride's day for the most part. Uh, Brides today, most of them spend their whole life planning their wedding and thinking about their wedding. When they're a little girl and they're playing, they're thinking about their wedding and they're thinking about what they want it to look like and what they want their dress to look like and what they want the decorations to be and what their bridesmaids are going to wear and what music will be played there. And, and, and the bride thinks about her wedding, her whole life leading up to her wedding day. And the day is the bride's day in our culture. Right? The groom, he's just got to rent his tuxedo and show up on time. And that's about it for the groom, right? Like That's all he really has to do for the most part. Everything else is about the bride. Well, in those days, in a Jewish wedding, it was all about the groom. It was the groom's big day. The wedding was all about the groom, not the bride. And a Jewish wedding in that day uh, involved four distinct steps. Four distinct steps that I want to go through with you. First of all, the first step was that the father of the groom arranged the marriage. They had arranged marriages. And the father of the groom arranged the marriage for his son. And being a dad of three boys, I think we should go back to that. It doesn't sound, you know, it sounds like a good idea to me. I won't say anything else. (laughs) But the father of the groom arranged the marriage. He would go and, you know, meet with the father of the bride and make an arrangement for his son and, and the other dad's daughter. And he would pay a, a, a bride price. He would pay a dowry to the other father. Uh, you see an example of this in Genesis 24 when Abraham sent his servant Eliezer to find a bride for his son Isaac. Remember, he, uh, Eliezer finds Rebekah and brings Rebekah back. And so there the father, Abraham, arranges the marriage for his son and pays a bride price, pays a dowry for it. Sometimes the arrangements were made when the, when the groom and the bride were small children. Uh, sometimes the groom and the bride didn't know each other. Uh, occasionally they didn't meet until the time of their wedding. And that was the first that they, they met. So that was the first step in a Jewish wedding. The second step happened about a year before the wedding the groom would begin to build an addition on his father's house because once he's married, his wife would come to live with him in his father's house. And so about a year before the wedding, the groom would begin adding an addition on his dad's house for he and his wife to live. Uh, And we're not talking about like living there for the first six months or for the first year or until you get out of college. Like you lived there with your groom, with the husband's family forever, you know, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? So ladies, I want you to think about that. <laughs> you know, in, in that culture, when you got married, you went to live with your husband's family and you moved into his house. He asked- 
been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Revelation, and he has more to share with you next time. How is your heart doing as you listen to these teachings about the future? If you're in need of prayer for any reason, would you be willing to give us a call and talk with us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever might be weighing on you. Our number is 410 410- 491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from the culminating final book of the Bible, Revelation. Pastor Dan has much more to share from this book, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue learning and growing, appreciating what God wants us to see from His Word. We hope you'll tune in then and be a part of our listening audience. Continue searching for what God has for you to see here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.